if you got your Bibles, turn over to John 3.16. I've been looking for the past 12 years I've been preaching. This is only the third time I've ever preached on John 3.16. Second time up here, I think. John 3.16. I love the verse. We all know the verse. It's a great verse. It is the gospel in a nutshell. If you look at... He was quiet until I started. There's a lot of hurt in this world. You look at what's going on in any part of the world. There's not a country. I don't think there's a country right now in the world that's at peace. doesn't matter where you look. There's going to be some type of war, civil war. There's going to be drug wars. There's going to be uh, whatever there is going on. There's going to be some turmoil, something that's going on. But there's hurt in our world. There's hurt in our homes. There's hurt in our churches right now, but there's a lot of hurt going on. And when you, you look at what goes on in a lot of places, sometimes we, we think that life isn't fair. Life's not fair. I think, of, ain't that what Scar said, Paisley, in The Lion King? Life's not fair. We say that a lot. We look at how people are suffering and the hurt that they're going through, and like, man, life's just not fair. And sometimes it doesn't feel fair for each one of us or for whatever somebody's going through. Good people right now losing their jobs. Good families right now having to work two or three jobs just to make ends meet and to provide for their families. They're losing their homes. They're losing their retirements right now. It's just it's a bad time, and, and, and not just in America, but just in the world in general. We're struggling. And when you look at the world around us, you can, you can see that it's easy to get wrapped up in the bad stuff. That's why I don't like to watch the news. How many times do you turn the news on and see good stuff going on? You don't. You watch the news, you get depressed. That's just how it works. And so we tend to focus on the bad stuff instead of the good stuff. And we forget about how good God has been to each one of us. We get so focused on the bad. But we've got to remember just how good he's been to each one of us. It's easy to think that he's not there for us and that he don't care. A lot of times we think that. We'll go through something bad in our, our lives or we see somebody going through something bad and we think, well, maybe he just don't care anymore. Or maybe God has forgot about me. Or maybe God doesn't love me as much right now as he ought to or as he used to. Maybe God has just given up on me. No, he ain't. But we tend to think that sometimes. Sometimes we think hope, hope's just far way off. Hope's something that we can't see. Hope is on the other shore. We just can't get there because we can't swim. Hope is on the other shore. We can't get there because that little rudder's broke on our boat that Keith's uh, teaching about this morning. We just can't get there. But there is hope, and we can reach that hope. We talked about that hope the other Sunday. I think, and I believe you can, you can amen this if you want to, but our world right now is spinning out of control. And this is not political by no means. This is spiritual. Because it's the devil. The devil has got a, a toehold in our world and in, in these countries, and he's making it hard on all of us. And so we're spiraling out of control. And he's at the at the helm. He's at the wheel. This world it needs hope, and and the hope is only found in Jesus. There's no hope found in the politicians that say they can bring the the peace and the relief and the money that we need. There's no hope in those people. There's no hope. In our homes, there's no hope in the things of this world that we look at. The hope is only found in Jesus. This verse, we're going to be, we're all going to, we all know it. We're going to read it here in a second. John 3.16 helps us understand that, that what we read in the Bible, it, it helps us 
to understand what God's plan is and what God is all about. It helps us immensely. Uh, it tells us that we have a God who loves us more than we can ever imagine. We have our youngins, and we say we, we love our kids more than you can ever imagine. And, and we have parents, or we have family, we have friends, and we say we love them more than you can ever imagine. But that don't hold a lot to the love that God has for each one of us and his children. He loves us more than we can ever imagine. I know the odds are of every one of us hearing this verse is good today. Every one of us has heard John 3.16, and I probably promise you this, or guarantee you this, we can all say it without even reading the Bible. There's this, I'm going to try to find one of these because I think it's pretty neat. I was reading about some things in John three sixteen this week, and it was talking about a Sunday school teacher that has a walnut shell, and inside that walnut shell is engraved John three sixteen, and he holds it up and he always tells his class, "This is the Bible in a nutshell, John three sixteen. And it makes sense. It is. It is the gospel. It is the the word of God in a nutshell for each one of us. I I, I like that. But there's a there's something I wanted to to read y'all, and all, the whole reason that the Lord laid this on my heart this week is because I watched something on Tim Tebow the other day. And the more he talked about John 3.16, and this is what I was reading about John T or Tim Tebow and John 3.16. Um, see, he wore John 3.16 on his, on his eye black. So you put that black stuff under your eyes to keep the glare down playing football. So back in 2009, he was wearing the eye black, and it said John 3.16 on it. And, of course, the NCAA, they, they banned that the next year. Imagine that. <clears throat> but he wore that 2009, the national championship game between Florida and Oklahoma. He played for Florida. So here, here's the numbers I want y'all to, to listen to. For This is for Tim Tebow. He threw for 316 yards. Yards per rush was 31.6. Yards per completion, 31.6. Time of possession was 31 minutes and 6 seconds. CBS, the, the news station that was covering this, their ratings that day was 31.6. Over 90 million people had searched John 3.16 on that day, and it was trending number one on social media that day. So John or, uh, Tim Tebow did not know what was going on. He didn't know those stats at the time that after they won the championship that he was getting ready to go in and do his interview. And somebody from the media department came up to him and said, hey, did you see the stats for the game? He said, no, I didn't. And he told him those stats. And the, the media guy said, do you think it's a coincidence? And all Tim Tebow said was, it's a big God. It's a big God. And that's the truth. God used him, if nothing else, for that platform that day so that people would see the gospel in a nutshell. They got to go online and they searched John 3.16. 90 million people read John 3.16 in one day. We don't get 90 million people to read John 3.16 in 100 years probably, but in one day, that many people read it. It's a big God. So today I want to break down this little verse for you and let you see what it tells us when you really pick it apart. So stand with me just a second. 
I don't think Clayton can quote it yet. It won't be long. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father God, this morning we just want to thank you for everlasting life. God, this morning we want to thank you for the love that you have for us. We thank you for giving your only begotten Son. Lord, I thank you for the whosoevers that are in this church this morning. For each one of us that have given our lives to you, made you our Lord and Savior. Lord, we thank you. God, we thank you for the sacrifice. We thank you for the bloodshed. We thank you for the pain and the the anguish that was felt on that cross as your son Jesus Christ bore the burdens and the sins of each one of us. Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for loving us. And I pray to God this morning that as we go through this message, Lord, that you would just bless our hearts. God, I pray this morning that you would open up and reveal yourself to each one of us in a way that we haven't seen it in a while. Lord, I pray that you just have your will and way in your word and in this church. And I pray, God, today that you would be with those that we know are struggling, that are sick, and those that, uh, I was reading this morning, a, a dear friend of ours passed away. And I pray, God, that you'd be with uh, that family as they struggle and as they mourn. But, Lord, I pray today that you would continue to use your church to build up your kingdom. And I pray, God, today that we give you the praise, honor, and all that glory. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a seat. For God so loved the world. That little part right there. For God so loved the world shows us the greatest love. The greatest love. We have, I don't, I don't read books. But some of y'all like to read. And some of y'all might like to read novels. Or love stories, or watch love stories on movies or something like that. And we say, oh, that's the greatest love story ever written. Oh, you have this so-and-so and so-and-so, and and they, I don't know, it's like Hallmark. They're all the same. But you have these, you know, you have a doctor, and he moves to a town, and he meets a little country girl, and they fall in love, and they get married. That's, I mean, that's Hallmark in a nutshell right there. And they'll say, that's the greatest love story. No, no, it's not. Greatest love story is right here. Greatest love story, I just, I just quoted that for you. John 3, 16 to me is the greatest love story. The greatest love that has ever been felt, ever been known on the face of this earth is the love that my God has towards each one of us. That's the greatest love. The greatest love that we could ever imagine is the love that God had for his son Jesus Christ to allow him to go and die on that tree for each one of us. That's great love. It amazes me that God has enough time to love me when he has the rest of the world to love. I don't know, and I probably should look this up, but there's a lot of people in this world right now. I'd say there's a couple billion, trillion, I don't know. Anybody know? Hunter, you're a fountain of knowledge. How many we got? Yeah, that's a lot of people. You know what amazes me? That God finds the time to love me. So many other people in this world right now that he has got to love, and he wants to love, but yet he finds time to love me. He loves me as much as he loves James or Conley or Paisley or Hunter. It doesn't matter. He loves us equally, but it blows my mind that he still has the time 
to love me. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He loves all of us, and He loves us equally. Even though we're sinners, He still loves us. Even though we have done Him and will do Him wrong, He still loves us. That right there, just that little bit right there, it's hard to comprehend. But He still loves us. He even loves those who don't believe that He exists. All those atheists that are out there or those agnostics that are confused and don't know what they believe right now, He still loves them. The same as He loves us. The ones that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, He loves them that don't love Him equally. So those of us that love Him and trust Him, and those of them that do not love Him and do not trust Him, He loves us both groups equally. And I just can't. It's hard to imagine. I don't think we can. It sounds like it can't be true. It sounds like there's no way that that could happen because it's hard for us to do it. There's groups of people that we don't get along with, that we don't like to, to hang out with, but the Bible tells us we're to still love them. Love the sinner, not the sin. We've got to remember that. You name any sinner there is in this world, and that sin, and he loves that person just as much as he does each one of us. He doesn't love that sin, though. He just loves that person. Every person in the world can be assured of God's love, and that's what John 3.16 is telling us. For God so loved the world, so that's everybody. At no point in this Bible does it say, for God so loved Africa, or for God so loved North America, or for God so loved Australia, it said the world. And when this was written, we didn't, over here, North America really didn't exist. It was here, but they didn't know much about it, or anything about it, honestly. There's just a bunch of Native Americans over here. He loves us, and it's an agape kind of love. Jeremiah 31, 3 says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. I, listen, he says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Everlasting. To me, that's eternal. That's eternal. That's forever. There is no end to this love. He's got an everlasting, unending love. And see, the thing here about this love that he has for us, it has no beginning. Think about that. Does God have a beginning? We can sit here and talk about that all day long, I'm sure. Does God have a beginning? So that's why I can say His love for us has no beginning because we know that He has no beginning. He's just, He is God. So He's loved us forever and will love us for eternity. That's how I know it's a big love. All earthly love has a beginning. So it's our anniversary, and so, which means that at some point I figured out I love Maria. At some point I said, you know what, I will make her my wife. I love her. That love has a beginning. I wasn't born, I didn't pop out of the womb and Dr. Freeman signed my, my birth certificate and I said, hey, by the way, whenever Maria Klein pops out, would you let her know that I love her and I will marry her in a few years? No. I had to work on that. We had to work on our relationship. And at some point, we realized that there was a connection and there was a love there between us. So our love had a beginning. 
my love, I can look at my youngins right now. I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that my love for them did not start on the day they was born. That's just wrong. My love for them started the day we found out she was pregnant. That's when my love started. I think that was an amen. But earthly love has a beginning. It has a starting point. Look around this church when you see couples, when you see people here together. Love had a beginning, but the love that God has for us does not, and it's everlasting, it's eternal. It reaches back before the world was ever formed. It reaches back that far and further. God's love is infinite. The Bible says it's unlimited, it's unbounded. And I read this quote the other day, and it absolutely just stirred my heart when I read this. But it said, and I put it on Facebook the other day, a sinner may go to hell unsaved, but they'll, ne- they'll not go there unloved. A sinner may go to hell, will go to hell, unsaved, but they'll not go to hell unloved. People on earth might not love them. And even though they're in hell, they're still loved by God. There's, still, there's a separation there. And you, don't you know it breaks his heart? You think about how folks struggle with an addiction or something like that, and, and the family or the friends, they pray for them and they help them and they want them to get on the right track. They want them to get better, but they don't. And so it breaks their heart, and it's the same with God. He wants them to get better. He wants them to have that relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. But it's totally up to them to, have, to make that decision. And if they say, no, I don't want that, then there's that separation. There's hell. Next part of that verse is that he gave his only begotten son. That he gave his only begotten son. Folks, right there is the greatest gift. The greatest gift ever given. That he gave his only begotten son. I don't know why my life is so important that God allowed his son to go to the cross for my sins. I don't know what it is about my life that God said he's an important, he's he's a good guy. And I think my son should go to the cross for him. I don't know what he's seen in Jerry Turbyfield to say he's he's a good person. My son can go to the cross for him. I don't know what he's seen in Miss Louise say that she's a good person. I'm going to send my my son to the cross for her. I don't know what he's seen in any of us to say, I'm going to send my son to the cross to die for them. Evidently, he sees something in us that we can't see. And he said, I need to send a Savior. I need to send my son for them people. They're sinners. And somebody needs to die for them. And it'll be my son. He loves all of us so much that his son made that ultimate sacrifice for our sins. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was sitting in my study. And when I sit in my study, a lot of times my mind, it wanders a lot. And I'm getting worse with, with age. My ADHD just flares up. 
sometimes, and I could hear Clayton in there talking or screaming or something, or maybe that was Abby, I don't know. But I could hear something going on in the house. I had my door open. Me and Hank was hanging out in my study, and I heard, I could hear them. And I got thinking about babies and being a baby Christian. Y'all remember when you were saved? I'm not saying baby Christian as in when you come out of the womb. That Clayton's not a baby Christian. He's just a baby. He's not saved yet. But as a baby Christian, I suppose this was the easiest thing to accept and the hardest thing to understand, that Jesus Christ died for me. If you really think about it, it don't make a lot of sense. But as a young Christian, somebody that's just maturing and just learning about the Word of God and what salvation is and, and what it can do for me, it was, it was easy to accept because that's what salvation is. Salvation is supposed to be easy to accept. But it's the hardest thing to understand. He died for me. I can accept that, but I don't completely understand it. Because I don't, I know me. I want y'all to think about yourself for just a second. You know you. I don't know you. You know you. God knows you. I don't know you. You know you better than you know anything else in this world. And sometimes you wonder... Because you know yourself, why would God send His only begotten Son to die for me? Because I know me. I don't deserve it. Ain't one of us really deserves it. But He did it anyway. I just don't understand it, though, but I'm thankful for it. I love many people in this world right now. And I can actually say this world. I've, I've been around this world. And I've met a lot of people. I've met a lot of Christians. And I have a love for them whether they're up here in Avery or down in Ash or, or up in Ash or over in Watauga or wherever I've been and I've met people, I've got to experience a, a, a brotherly and sisterly love between us. And so I have a love for people in this world. So I know what love is, and I know what it is to be loved. I've felt love before. That's pretty nice. That's a good feeling. To, to experience and to feel love, but I've also know what it's like to lose someone that you love. And when you look at it from those two sides, knowing that God sent His perfect Son to die for me, it dumbfounds me every time I think about it. To know what it is to love and to know what it is to lose someone you love, it kind of it just makes you stop and think for just a second. Blows your mind. I found this article, and it makes it a little bit easier for, for some people to understand when you read this. And I want to read it to you. It's, it's real short. It says, A gym dealer was walking the aisles at the Tuscan Gym and Mineral Show when he noticed a blue-violet stone the size and shape of a potato. He looked it over, then, as calmly as possible, asked the vendor, You want $15 for this? The seller, realizing the rock wasn't as pretty as the others in the bin, he lowered the price to $10. The stone has since been certified as a 1,905-carat natural star sapphire, about 800 carats larger than the largest stone of its kind. It was appraised at $2.28 million. Bought it for 10 bucks, and it's appraised at $2.28 million. But this is what the article said. It took a lover of stones to recognize the sapphire's worth. 
It took a lover of souls to recognize the true value of an ordinary-looking people like us. Is that right? It took a lover of souls, took God, to see the true value in, in, of us. Old, old, ugly, ragged sinners, he still seen the value in each one of us. That's why he gave us this gift. He knows our true value. He knew, he just, he knows us. He formed us. He made us. Before we was in the womb, he knew who he was, and he still loves us. Maybe you failed him in your life, but just remember this, you're still valuable to him. You're still valuable. Next part of the verse, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That shows us the greatest faith. That is the greatest faith. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish. It's not hard for me to understand that God loves the world. I, I get that. My whole life. You know what? That's probably one of the things that I can go back to as early on in my childhood as I can remember. But that's the one thing that was always stressed to me is God loves the world. Whether it was John 3.16 or we was looking over in Romans, it didn't matter. I always knew God loved the world. We sung it. The You think about these children's songs that we used to sing growing up. They all revolved around God loving everybody loving the world loving us all so it's not hard for me to understand that god loves people what's hard for me to understand is that god loves me that's what's hard to understand he loves me i don't get that a lot of times why because i know me that's why i have a hard time with it i know how i failed him and failed to live up to his expectations. I, I know how I failed to honor him and to please him. And he still loves me. And I'm here to tell you this morning that this is exactly why the word whosoever is in there. I love that word whosoever. We used to wear shirts whenever. I do love it. The, the Baptist Youth Challenge, we have shirts that says, I'm a whosoever. On the very front of that shirt, it says, I'm a whosoever. And that's our conversation starter. I'm a whosoever. What is a, what's a whosoever? Well, let me tell you what a whosoever is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I'm a whosoever because I put my faith in his son, Jesus Christ. God tells me, and he loves me because I'm a whosoever. And as a Christian, you are a whosoever too. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's a great message in the gospel for us. Should not perish. You don't have to go to hell. That's what that verse is telling you. You don't have to go to hell. As a whosoever, you don't have to worry about that. But it's your, it's your free will. You do whatever you want to. Just place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Bible tells us to do, and you become a whosoever. It's that simple. It's that simple. Last part, but have everlasting life. But have everlasting life. That shows us the greatest life. Now, being a Christian, are, do we live the greatest life? No, actually, here on earth, it can be pretty difficult. Actually, it can be really difficult. 
as a Christian, we, we sometimes will sit back and we can see the, the devil working us over and he's, he's making it hard on us. And, and sometimes we, we, not that we would ever want to reject Jesus, but sometimes we, we sit back and we wonder, is it going to get any worse for us? Is it going to get any worse? Can it, can it get any worse? Yeah, it can. Probably will, to be honest with you. But that's what happens as Christians. The devil makes it hard on us. When we're living, when we're living a life of sin and we're living uh, serving the devil, it seems actually pretty easy. We go and do as we please and we do as we please ourselves. We just don't care. But when you change your life and you change your address and you start making things more about God and less about you, and then that really irritates the devil, and he's going to make it a lot harder on you. But the best part about this, and this verse right here tells us, but have everlasting life, tells us that no matter how bad it gets down here on earth, we've got everlasting life with his son, Jesus Christ, in heaven. Life with Jesus is greater than any other life that there could ever be. Having a relationship with him. We've all probably had what many would call the good times in life. We don't want to talk about those because those, when I say good times, I'm doing air quotes, the good times in life. Been there, done that, and got a T-shirt kind of life. You know, we we got to grow up, mature. But i tell you something about all that fun that you had, and I promise you this, it was empty. It was worldly. It was probably of the devil. And so there was nothing there. And you don't want to go back to that. But now that you have him in your life, you could never imagine life without him again. I can't. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine not having him now and all that he has done for me and, and the blessings that I have right over here. I mean, I got them all in the corner right now. All my blessings. I don't know that I would have that if I didn't have him. And so he is continues to bless me and give each one of us so much. But the fact that he has given me everlasting life, the last part of that verse, that's something I'm going to hang on to for the rest of my life, here on earth and eternity. He has given me that. He has blessed me with that. He gives us opportunity for life with him. All we have to do is believe, ask, and receive. Another one of my little stories I was reading. Back in 1830... George Wilson was convicted of robbing, and I think I've read this before here. George Wilson was convicted of robbing the U.S. mail and was sentenced to be hanged. President Andrew Jackson issued a pardon for Wilson, but he refused to accept it. The matter went to the Chief Justice Marshall, who concluded that Wilson would have to be executed. A pardon is a slip of paper, wrote Marshall, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person, who, uh, person to be pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. 2,000 years ago, Jesus issued a pardon for each one of us. But the value of that pardon is determined by the acceptance of the person being pardoned. You can accept that pardon. Now, did Jesus come to us with a slip of paper and say, you're pardoned? No. He didn't come to us with a slip of paper. But we were told. We've been told in the Bible, we know it through his bloodshed that we have been pardoned. 
But all we have to do is accept that pardon. Now, I don't know. Jerry's not here. I'd like to ask him. I don't know if anybody's ever been pardoned that has denied it. I mean, evidently somebody did. George Wilson did. But if you are in trouble and you're in prison and the president or the governor has issued a pardon and you deny it, you reject it, sounds kind of odd, don't it? Most people would accept a pardon and not even ask another thing about it, never even question it, just say, yeah, I'll take it. Folks, that's the same with salvation. It's the exact same way with salvation. We have been pardoned. And it's totally up to us whether we receive that pardon or not. We don't have to accept the life Jesus died to give us. We can refuse it. I don't know why, but you can. All of us have looked towards heaven and and asked, do you love me? I'm going to end with this. There's been times when we've lost a loved one or something bad has happened in our lives and we sit down and we'll look up into heaven and we'll say, Lord, do you, do you truly love me? If you love me, why are you letting this happen? Why did you do this to me? Why did you do this to us if you love me? And we all know that's a foolish question. We ought not even ask it, but we do it anyway. But our hearts yearn for an answer. We want to hear, we just want to hear him say, yes, I love you. And you get that still small voice, you get that sweet whisper that falls on your ear, falls on your heart, and he says, yes, my child, I love you. But he don't stop there. He says, I love you more than you can ever imagine. Sometimes we just need that reassurance. Sometimes we just need to hear it. I love you. God has given us the greatest love. He's given us the greatest gift. He's given us the greatest faith. And folks, He's given us the greatest life. I don't know why anybody would reject it. But unfortunately, they, they do, and they, they will. All we have to do, though, is accept all those things. The love is free. The gift is free. The, the faith is free. The life is free. It might cost you some friends, but that's okay. You don't need them in your circle anyway. But everything he's done for us was freely given, and we can freely accept it if we want it. I was counting this up. I like to count, I like to count words sometimes. So I was counting this up yesterday. This verse is only 25 words long. There's only 25 words in it. But these 25 words are the gospel in a nutshell. 25 words sums up 66 books of the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, the four gospels, you name it. John 3.16, 25 words sums it all up. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There it is. Take that with you. 
Preach that verse every chance you get. Get your shirt that says, I'm a whosoever. Start that conversation up with people. But I am a whosoever. I'm proud of it. Glad of it. And wouldn't change it for nothing. Stand with me. We're going to close out. Take that verse. You probably got that verse memorized. But every chance you get, break that verse down. Just how great it is to be loved by God. Look at it and just realize how great a gift that we have from Him. Something that He's given us freely, given it to us. Look at all the great things that come out of that verse. Jonathan, would you dismiss us, please, sir? Amen. All right, we'll hopefully see y'all Wednesday.